Amen. Well, it is Christmas, and um, you know, I was just thinking during the service here how our family a couple years ago just wanted to start making new traditions, and I actually got the idea from from my older brother Robert. He was we were talking recently, and he just said, "Yeah, around Christmas, we just decided we're just going to create a lot of really fun family traditions." And he said, because we want our kids to really savor and remember this part of the year, you know. And I was just thinking about how we've, how we've taken this entire month uh, within the Advent season to celebrate Christ's first birth and Christ's returning. And that, that really, again, if you haven't heard us say this, it's because we want to make this month really special and unique. Not because you get to get a bunch of deals on Black Friday or because of shopping, Right. The, okay. So those are all added bonuses. But but really, um, our desire as believers in Christ, as as Christians, is that we would take this month and say, you know what, we want to do everything we can to reflect, to celebrate, to honor God, to almost recenter ourselves, even before we step into the new year. That actually, this is where we get to dial in again as a people and remember what God has really done. And that's what this whole series has been about. Um, but, but, you know, bef- but before I jump in, obviously, this is the week of Christmas, and so Christmas presents, if you haven't already bought those or made those, um, you're coming up against the clock here, and that's okay, because there's no judgment here, um, right? And so, um, you know, uh, I, I was reflecting back on my childhood, and we started doing Christmas gifts with the siblings. I have an older brother and older sister. And I was very little. I'm not sure how little, but somewhere in the like, you know, four to five year old, maybe six year old range. And so I was still new to the whole Christmas exchange game. And um, I remember we were excited, going to get Christmas gifts for each other. And, you know, I was a bit of a procrastinator at four or five years old. And so I remember uh, going in and I had this great idea what I was going to do for my brother for his Christmas gift. And so anyways, I, I, in our room, I identified this Christmas gift that we already owned in our house because I couldn't drive or anything, obviously, was lacking funds. And so I decided to get this thing. And so I, I wrapped it up, was so excited. And so Christmas morning, you know, we're opening up presents and this time for like the siblings presents, you know, and I hand to my brother, I'm so excited. And he unwraps it, opens it up and he says, Wow. These are my socks. And so I had gone into our room, and I had taken his socks and wrapped them, and I thought, that's a great gift. And so I just want to tell everybody out there, for the brothers, a little slow to the Christmas game, if they give you something that's already yours and used, just act like it's awesome, okay? And just rejoice for the effort, amen? So that segues us into this message on joy. My brother was uh, very gracious he still brings it up from time to time. Remember that time you gave me my own pair of socks for Christmas? Um, so anyways, that's just a gift idea if you're running short on time as well. You know, um, but, but really this whole series, we titled it, The Word Became Flesh, coming from John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This whole series, we've just unpacked this verse and kind of broken it down as we've 
talked about Advent, and you can see our Advent candles here this morning, that, that we wanted to emphasize something each week, and we have talked about love and peace and hope and joy. That's the fourth candle today, and we get that from this John 1.14 message, that really as we look at joy, we read that statement that Jesus, the Word became flesh, that He was full of grace and truth, right? We've often said that we want to be a church that is grace-centered and truth-centered, that it is both and, that we need to acknowledge the reality of the scriptures and the sin in our lives and the truth of God and allow that to simmer and to take root in us that we would follow Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And at the same time that we recognize the grace of God, which is where we get forgiveness and all our host of things, is by the grace of God, our salvation comes. By the grace of God, we actually have forgiveness of sins. And today we want to look at this idea of Jesus being full of grace and truth and the coming of Christ and the birth of Christ and how that applies to joy. Now, again, when we talk about Advent, we are not only looking at the birth of Christ, which we'll be, again, celebrating this Christmas Eve, but we're looking at the second coming, right? You may have heard us say this before, that we, we want the whole world to know about the second coming of Christ, but that's after the whole world knows about the first coming. Because if they only know about the second coming, but never heard about the first coming, if they never heard about the life of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his perfect life, his teachings, who he is, that he is the son of God, and that in him, only in him, can you find life, freedom, forgiveness of sins. They don't hear that message, but just are anticipating Christ returning one day, it'll be too late. You see, you have to know about Christ coming the first time. And so we as a church want to be able to recognize that, and the birth of Christ is the beginning of that story. And I want to take us back to that announcement, the famous announcement that many of us know that when the angel came to the shepherds who were watching their flock by night, in Luke chapter 2, says this, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So just a pause. Sometimes we skip that part. It's supposed to be this happy, like, celebration moment. And they're like, whoa, and so much so that, that the shepherds were freaking out. Okay, and these are shepherds that had seen lions and bears try to snatch up their sheep. These guys have been out in the middle of the night. They've experienced some stuff. But the angel shows up, and they're filled with great fear. But he goes on, and the angel said to them, fear not. Whew, that's nice to hear. For behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So what is this good news of great joy that is for all the people? Well, I want to unpack this word joy. Joy translated in this passage here into the Greek is kara. Kara, meaning joy because of grace. Now, I'd actually never looked at this in detail, and it, and it made sense that the joy that is experienced and expressed in us, the fruit, like that joyful fruit, is actually a result of the grace. Joy is not something that you just conjure up. Now, I want to connect for us really quickly John 1.14, the Word Became Flesh passage, and what this angel is declaring in Luke 2.10. Right? So the Word Became Flesh, Jesus Christ coming into the world, taking on full humanity, 
He dwelt among us. To be here and live amongst us, to be present. We talked about Jesus' tabernacle, that that, that idea of dwelling amongst us was the idea of the tabernacle and what God's presence being with his people, that that's that's the significance there. And to be here, to live amongst us, to be present. And um, that not only that, but that the presence of God would be for the people and available to the people, and that you would get to see his glory. Unlike Moses, who was tucked behind the rock when he asked to see his glory, and, the, and, the, and God said, no, you can't see my glory, but I will, go, I will go before you. The people of God wanting to see the real unveiled face of God, but he said, it's too much for you. But then when Jesus came, and then his disciples asked him, Hey, I just show us God the Father, then that's going to be enough for us. And what did he say? He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the glory. And then all of a sudden, the light bulbs start going off. The circuit breakers are just malfunctioning. And it's, whoa, you're really God? It's like, yes. So everything that you're saying, everything that you're doing, every attitude, inkling, the miracles to the way that you humbly responded to my arrogance, to the way that you cared for this kid or this thing. Or, that's God? Wow. Because you see, it wasn't just God the belief, God the thought, God this idea, this supernatural creative being out in the cosmos somewhere that just is somewhere up to the stars floating around and some big mystic thing, right? It's, oh, it's Jesus. Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, man, that was so needed. And so here we go. We have Jesus coming, the angels declaring, saying this is going to be good news. The good news is that the Word became flesh. The good news is He's going to dwell among us. The good news is that you're going to see His glory. The good news is that He's full of grace and truth. So when you realize that the angels declaring in Luke 2... This announcement of Jesus Christ, he's really declaring, Karah, joy because of grace. It is by the grace of God that he sent his son Jesus. Joy is a response to the nature of God. Joy is produced, not when we just go to good night's sleep. That helps. Joy is not produced when we just eat that green smoothie that we know is going to make us better. Joy is not produced just on Christmas morning. Joy is not a product of a delicious baked goods. Joy is not just because it's your birthday. Joy is produced as a result of His grace. Joy because of grace. Now I want to read for us a couple verses later in John 1. He says this in verse 16 and 17. For from His fullness, speaking of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So again, we're talking about this idea of joy, but we've got to backtrack and look at grace. And I want to read this same passage in the Amplified. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, And gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses. But grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth, came through Jesus Christ. Now, I like that amplified right there. That's making me feel good. 
that's making me think, wait a second. I may have cut grace a little short here. Like, oh, man, grace to you, man, the grace of God. Hold on a second. Grace is just not like a get-out-of-jail card. Grace isn't like a, whoo, we dodged that bullet. Grace is literally this all-encompassing supernatural that we cannot describe, but it illuminates, it emanates from God himself, his nature. He is grace. He is love. And it's just like this, just whatever you imagine, those superhero movies, you know, I know you've watched them. Where it's like, oh, look at that. Just so you know, that's like, that's just a little idea that some guy had. But actually, God is the supernatural. Okay, just remember, he just said, like, let there be light. Right? And he said, water. Just stars. Okay? So just, just remember, whenever you see like a superhero, be like, that's cool. That's neat. Right? But, but that's not God. That's not awesome. That's just neat. That's a neat idea. Right? It's like. It says the Holy Spirit, they're hovering over the water. So Superman, he flies. Holy Spirit flies. <laughs> hovering. He was the first hover. I mean, just, he doesn't need the ground. <laughs> okay? So just when we think of God, when we think of that, I want you to think of grace. To be like, oh, maybe I, maybe I kind of thought grace was kind of just a little add-on thing. No, no, it is the thing. You see, without grace, there is no forgiveness. Without grace... There is no salvation. Without no salvation, there is no hope. Without hope, we are destined for eternal separation, depression, darkness, evil runs rampant, and just pack your bags, it's all over. But because John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, which means that word lived on planet Earth, the same planet we live on, breathing the same oxygen, dealing with the same sin, the same evil, the same garbage, the same temptations. And that word, that Jesus, was unscathed. Dwelt among us. Yeah, he heard kids making naughty jokes. He didn't participate. He knew friends who were sarcastic and belittling. He didn't join that. He knew people make fun of someone or do this or judge this. Or he didn't participate. Jesus was perfect even as an eight-year-old. He didn't give some used pair of socks to his brother. He got him a real gift. Right? Jesus was perfect. Perfection. And the role model for everyone. Grace and truth are embodied in him. So then we talk about Christmas and we celebrate this little baby that people at the time did not know what was going to fully happen. They had prophecies. They had thoughts. They had ideas. They knew there's something good happening, but they wouldn't know how it all play out. That is Jesus. That unearned, undeserved favor of God, that's what he brought. You know, in the New Testament... The laws often contrasted with grace. You see, the law emphasized God's divine standards and the inability of fallen mankind to meet them. While grace rescues us. Grace rescues fallen humanity from deserved punishment. Another way to put it is this. The law pinpoints the problem and grace fixes the problem. You see, the law pinpoints the problem, identifies, hey, that's wrong. Ten commandments. That's wrong. Don't do that. But grace 
fixes the problem, which is why he can say, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, that came through Jesus Christ. We have seen his glory and experienced his grace and his truth. And I want us to see that this Greek word, kara, joy because of grace, is evident in so many of our lives. And I want us to recognize it today because it's the difference between us going down a spiral and a slippery slope of depression, discouragement, everything's terrible, to being lifted and saying, hold on a second, there is something more. There's something that I can't see, but I can experience something with my God, even though the circumstances look dire. You know, in Galatians 5, Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit this way. In Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. See, joy as the fruit of the Spirit is cheerfulness. It is delight. It is gladness. And that's not determined by circumstances. It's a, it's a constant quality that you can exhibit, that you can have in you in every situation because its foundation is not in this world. It is in God. The foundation of joy is in the nature of God. And when you understand that your joy is actually tethered to Him, and not to the circumstances, not to your job, not to having four kids or one, not to your wedding day, not to all those things. When you understand that joy is actually tethered to him, to create the universe, to God Almighty, then you are grounded and sound and secure no matter what life throws at you. It doesn't mean you cannot celebrate at your wedding and have the best time of your life Christmas morning. I think that's awesome. But you do it from a secure place of knowing that even if the Christmas cookies get burnt, you're fine. Even if the Christmas turkey is still frozen at 2 o'clock, it's going to be okay. Right? Instead of us tethering our joy to the ins and outs of life, the things we cannot control but we want to, we tether it to Him, the person, God. Oh, well, that's safe. He never gets it wrong. Remember, Jesus Christ, perfect in every way. He's never wrong. He's never said anything wrong. We may interpret things wrongly. He didn't say it wrong. It's, it's, it's this beautiful relationship where the advantage is in our corner because we have someone that's very trustworthy and very truthful. He actually can't lie. It's impossible. It's not his nature. It's impossible. You know, like there's no deceit found in him. There's no manipulation. He's God, honest, true. Every virtue, everything that we want, that is him. So that's why it's so important as we look at Jesus, the birth of Christ, his first coming, we recognize that is what God was bringing into the world. And yet at the same time, I know this year has been interesting as I've used the term or challenging um, or been uh, an adventure. When he's that one, that's a very positive word. 2020, the adventure. James, who's actually a half-brother of Jesus, says, Count it all joy, my brothers, in James 1, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect 
and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, James is encouraging us, guess what? (laughs) Um, You can rejoice even in the midst of your circumstances because the hope and the joy that we have is tethered to the eternal, not the imperfect life. It's tethered to the presence of God. And joy, church, can supernaturally sustain us no matter what life throws at us. But you have to believe that. Like, you have to believe that Paul wasn't just blowing smoke when he was in prison and saying, I count as joy that I get to suffer. You can't just think, oh, that guy's just trying to be nice. You know. It's like there is a seriousness to the joy. Right? It's not, joy doesn't just come and go as the wind or the weather. Joy is like, no, no, I'm not moving off of that. Joy is a resolve. It's, it is, I've resolved to know nothing but Christ. I've resolved to receive the grace of God and acknowledge in my life that there is joy tethered to that acknowledgement of the grace. Therefore, the more that I'm engaged with the grace of God will be the more joy produced in me. Right? So if you want more joy, you can't buy it. You can't download an app. You can't have more friends or more likes or more YouTube hits. That will not get it. That's the wrong recipe, the wrong equation. The equation is I need to experience and acknowledge and receive and understand the grace of God and how that continues to expand and grow, the grace upon grace, the supernatural thing. The more I understand that in my life and how it's hitting me in my life, the more joyful it'll be, which actually means in the pursuit, it's not joy. Right? You're not actually pursuing joy. You can't. You pursue the grace, the relationship. When you pursue the relationship, uh uh-oh, the joy comes. The love comes. Oh, it's not just a law. It's a relationship. When I pursue the relationship, which means now the closer I get to him, the more I trust him, the more I resolve, I will know nothing but Christ. No one will move me off of that. The more you are just committed to saying, I'm yours for life, the more you experience it. Isn't that relieving? There's not actually 25 things you got to do this Christmas. It's just one. Pursue the relationship with him. And you'll experience the love, the hope, the peace, the joy. But apart from him, it's all surface. It's all going to take you sideways in the end. It'll be fleeting. But not with him. Because he is grace and truth. So with that, I want to just take a few minutes here as we um, wrap up in a few minutes just to talk about how we can recognize the grace of God in our lives. Because the more we recognize it, the more we understand, the more we see it, the more we've already acknowledged, oh, wait, that's, oh, that's what that is. Then I believe the more joy will be produced in our lives because the grace of God flows from him to us. And when we recognize it, it should cause us to rejoice. Like when we experience it, there should just be this rejoicing. Oh, that came out of me, right? It's like when someone scores a bucket or a touchdown, they just all of a sudden, woo! It's like, where did they come from? Well, he scored. Oh, it made sense. There was something that just kind of came over him. And then they end up doing a dance, and later on they're like, what was I doing, you know? At the time it seemed awesome, and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks silly. They obviously, you know, but nowadays, look, I know they're all scripted and stuff, but in the old days, it just kind of came, okay? We didn't have all these, you know, whatever, people to do their little dances. 
So when you experience the grace of God flowing towards you, then you should rejoice, all right? So I want to talk about, just kind of highlight three areas in our lives that are full of the grace of God. And as a result of the grace of God, they are evident in our lives. So the first one is this, that we can rejoice in his salvation. I mean, Jesus Christ came to earth not just to be a nice guy or just to be a prophet. He came to save the world from their sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Like, this is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the road of salvation because when he comes into someone's life, there's inexpressible joy that wells up. That is why Mary, his mother, rejoiced that she was God's chosen instrument to bring Christ into the world. Jesus literally coming inside of her womb, and then all of a sudden now there's this rejoicing, this celebration. Listen, for all the ladies out there who have been pregnant, I have no idea what that's like. Just state the obvious. <laughs> I've been told a few times, man, I just wish you knew what it's like for like just one day. Um, so, uh, but I keep telling that certain person that that's never going to happen. So, there you go. I say, take it up with God. It's not my deal. But Mary carrying this little child, yes, I don't know exactly, but what I imagine is she received Jesus with joy, and that throughout her pregnancy, she carried him with joy. I don't know that for certain, but my assumption is that the reason why God Almighty, creator of the universe, chose Mary out of lots of options, the reason he chose this young woman is because he knew something about her and about her wiring and about her nature and about her beliefs and about her devotion to God already. He knew something and he said, no, that's the one. I don't want someone to carry him in griping, angry, frustrated, throwing stuff at her husband all the time. You know, just, I want this one, <laughs> right? And so here, here's what I'm saying. That seems like a tall order even for someone carrying a child, which I understand is super difficult. But yet somehow I do believe Mary was able to carry that child in her womb at a joy level that may be very abnormal in her day. I don't know. I'm just saying that that needs to be the like goal for us. That we're not just doing it as the same as society says. Right? That we don't just treat our children, our relationships as just the status quo. We say, wait, isn't there a God standard? Isn't there a God standard to this? I can't do that on my own. You're right. In your own strength. But with the Spirit of God empowering you, anything's possible. And when Jesus left, he told his disciples, they were freaking out that he's leaving. He said, hey, listen, listen going to be okay. It's better that I go, which seems like the most ridiculous statement ever. Why? You're awesome. You're our king. What? It's good you go. That's a terrible idea. No, 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 no. It's good that I go. I'm going to go be with the father now. I'll be back one day, at least 2,000 years from now. So we're already there. Okay, so at least 2,000. He didn't tell them that, but he did say I'm coming back soon, 2,000 years later. Here we go. <laughs> then he said, it's good, it's good that I go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Who's he? Oh, you're going to like him. He's awesome. He actually can do um, things I couldn't do. He'd act, he can actually be with lots of people at the same time. 
He's not limited by space and time like I am in this human form. He's actually available to different races. He actually knows how to speak different languages. All the languages, actually. He doesn't have to learn anything. He knows it all. He's available. He's present. He actually can move through children, through adults. Black, white, brown skin. He can move through any and all circumstances. He can actually do things that will blow your mind. And with him, guess what? You're going to do greater things than I did. It wasn't you're going to do greater things than I did because you're just better human beings. I'm sending my spirit, and therefore, the possibilities are you will do greater things than even Jesus Christ himself did on planet Earth. I'm not talking about the death and resurrection. That's not going to replace. I'm talking about the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. He was saying there'll be more. I mean, so him leaving, coming to Earth, leaving, sending his spirit, and this long in-between, and one day he's returning for his bride. That's the salvation story. Rejoice in his salvation. I love it. First Peter 1, 8 through 9 says, because we're in an interesting, we are in the same situation as this group of people he's writing to in this verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you see that? He's writing about 40 to 50 years later after Christ was crucified, raised from the dead, had already ascended up to heaven. He's writing to people 40 years later. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. Though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So what? So that you are obtaining in your faith the salvation of your souls. This is vital. (laughs) We can't see Jesus in the same physical human form that he was here 2,000 years ago, period. He's ascended to the Father. But yet, we know in the scriptures, he even says, man, those who believe without seeing, oh, there's a greater reward. We get to be in that greater reward category, church. Did you know that? You get to be in that greater reward. I haven't seen him. I told you this recently. One of my children asked me, said, what does Jesus look like? I said, well, I don't know. I've never met him like face to face like you would meet daddy or someone. I said, well, how can you believe in him? Because I just believe in him because I sense him. I trust the Bible. I trust what I see in life. And there are things that I cannot explain that I've experienced with God. There's things that I know he's spoken to my heart. And you may or may not believe me, but I believe it in my gut and my innermost being. And I will cling to that and hold to that no matter how many people refuse it, no matter how many people call me silly or think you're a crazy person for believing in someone you can't see. But I will hold on to that because I believe that one day he will return. He will say, who were the faithful? Who did not waver in 2020? Who didn't waver in 2021? Who stood the test, the endurance, the trials that James 1 speaks of? Who didn't just endure? It was pretty joyful. I want to be in that group. I'm not saying every day has been great. My wife can tell you that. 
But man, I want to be found in the camp that says, I am faithful. I never turned my back on you. I never gave up on you. I never questioned you. There's things I didn't know, but I never turned on you. I just said, Jesus, I just want to know more. And I was okay with the mystery. I was okay with the in-between. I was okay with the unknown because I trusted him as my Savior. And when you resolve that, and you resolve to know nothing but Christ, and you resolve that the grace of God is enough for me to get through my pregnancy, the grace of God is enough for me to make it through marriage, the grace of God is enough for me at 2 a.m. holding my child who won't go back to sleep, who is consistently coughing, and I'm deprived of sleep myself, his grace is enough for me when the world seems like it's on fire. His grace is enough for me when people are coming at me from all different directions or coming at you or at friends and things seem chaotic. It's enough. Because my hope and my peace and my joy is not tied to this world. It is tied to him. But you can't say that if you haven't resolved that. And you know if you haven't resolved it, because the things in life just keep knocking you over. And you can't get back up. But I'm telling you, you do not have to live that way. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ came in the form of a little baby so that you could live a joyful life. You could be in prison and singing. <laughs> I mean, that odd, right? You can be different because he is different, because he lives inside you, because the Spirit of God has now filled you with hope and the grace of God. So we can rejoice in his salvation. I just want you to think for a moment of either your own story or someone that you know. When they first heard the gospel and they responded, maybe it was in high school, maybe it was recently, just when they really heard it, when they really heard it as not just news, but good news. When it really sunk in, wait a second. <laughs> You're telling me I could be forgiven of all this stuff? No way. <laughs> what? Really? Like, I mean, I've done a lot of terrible things. I know. And he came for terrible people just like you. And he said, you come to me, my blood will cleanse you and wash you. You'll be free. I'm thinking of people in my mind right now, a friend in high school who was an atheist and parents didn't know Christ, and we're sitting in a car one day. His name's Eric, and we're talking, and he knew I was a Christian and stuff, and all of a sudden he said, I really want to follow Jesus now. And the light bulb went off, and it was a 180 the next day. It was crazy. It was like, what, what just happened to Eric? What happened to Eric? I just talked to Eric. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you see a little child, I mean, just... I mean, I was telling some earlier, just my son, Ethan, when he was little, I think it's Christmas Eve, am I right? He gave his life to Jesus. And um, I, I, I was kind of shocked by it. I was like, wait, he can't really understand all this stuff right now. I'm like, I was like, kind of like the doubter. Like, I mean, this is, I, I, this is high-level stuff here. Like, what, you know, and the sincerity, and I'm telling you, and my son, little Ethan, he changed. I mean, he, it was like he changed. Not perfect. We still disciplined the child, still had to work him through a bunch of things, teach him things, but he changed. And it's like, Jesus really got a hold of his heart. That boy's saved. He, I mean, he is saved from his sins. Like, he's not, whoa, like, it was different. And when you're parenting a child that does that, you're like, oh, you know. 
There's no hiding. You know, we can do it as adults. We can like, hide back in our apartment or house. and like, no one really knows what's really going on. But no, 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 not with them. Now we live with them. No hiding. And it's like, wow, Jesus, the power to save someone. I mean, rejoicing in our home. That could be for you, maybe your child this Christmas. We don't rejoice in his salvation, rejoice in his power. You see, Jesus coming to earth demonstrated the power of God in a way people had never witnessed. You know, you think about the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the mute speaking. Think about people who were lame walking. You think about even people that had died, had been resurrected. You think about the, the, the water turning to wine. You think about the bread and the fish multiplying. I mean, that was such tasty bread. I mean, just, you know, you just think about the miracles Jesus did and in the power, and yet he did all of it after he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We have no recorded miracles before Jesus came to the River Jordan, baptized by John the Baptist, that the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then from that moment forward, the next three and a half years, what we see is he gathered disciples and he started doing signs and wonders all over the place and people were just blown away. And you know why he did it that way? Because he wanted us to know the source is not in memorizing rules and legalities. The source to the power is not and conjuring up something. The source and the power is not just working harder in life to be a super-duper, uber-good religious person. That is not the source. The source simply was the Spirit of God coming upon him and saying, now I'm going to empower you to do the real stuff. And it wasn't just the signs and wonders. It was the power to choose joy, life, and then he said, this is going to be given to you. So then all of a sudden, I want to tell you, church, is that when you are saved and then when you experience the power of the Holy Spirit, next thing you know, that sin addiction in your life just becomes like really not a big deal. Yes. Not a big deal because it's not sin, because you don't care about it. I could list off of you countless things in my life that started to just literally fade. And years later, be like, man, that used to be a thing. Where'd that thing go? It wasn't even this like big tussle. It was like, I'm just not going to do that anymore. It's like... It, it was like, oh, the Spirit of God yes. is taking up room yes. where that sin used to take up room. And they don't really share spaces. <laughs> so I, I just say to anyone, I mean, rejoice in the power of God. Because if you're sitting this morning, you're watching, you're like, man, Tyler, I'm struggling with some major stuff. My, my encouragement to you would be, you, you need to be more filled with the Spirit of God. You need to allow him in. You need to be filled with the scriptures, the word of God. Fill your mind, your heart, your thoughts with the word of God, with the spirit of God. And that stuff just begins to fade. That's all I can tell you. It's, it's, there's not even like a seven-step thing you have to go through necessarily today. You just Jesus and the spirit of God come and now just eradicate this stuff in my life. I just want you. I want more grace. Grace of God. Come on. And then when you recognize things in your life and you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that empowers you for the crazy stuff, he empowers you to also be convicted of sin. And then when you're convicted, you repent. I repent of that. Done with that. Yes. Boom. It, it's, it's, there, there's not like a holding period. Right? Oh, I was convicted of sin. I need to wait 12 days before I can repent of it. Uh, you don't do that. Just right then. Done. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have a great Christmas. Christmas morning, you wake up. You're bitter at your mom or your cousin or something. Oh, I want to be here. Just great. Repent of that. Have a great Christmas. We, we, we tend to, I don't know, drag things out. I don't know why we do that. Jesus didn't come to drag things out. He had to deal with it right there, on point, done. 
right? He, he was crucified in a day. Resurrected in a day. Shouldn't take you more than a day. <laughs> Work it out. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, you just, we, we got to move on, church. We got to move on from the cyclical excuses of sin in our lives and the excuses that I need other help books. You don't need help books. You need this help book? You need the Spirit of God help. He's not a book, by the way, but just, he's here. Okay, so that's what you need. And then you can live life full. And your children get problems with your children, same thing. They need more of the Word of God. They need the Spirit of God. Start praying over them. They need the Word of God. They need to know Jesus. And when they come to know Christ, it's a game changer. The best parenting advice I can give you is continue to share the gospel with your kids and pray, that, pray for their salvation. That will help you in parenting more than anything else. Period. That is, that is the golden nugget in parenting. Your kids to be saved. That happens. That's the game changer. And I say that's the golden nugget in our lives as well. There's power in salvation. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Oh, I love that. Abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You can be hopeful. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be hopeless. If you're tied to that hopelessness, you're probably not tied to the Spirit. Or you've allowed, or you put the Spirit, I don't know, on the shelf or something, or however that works in your life, and you've allowed this in. Just, no, no, just boot the hopelessness out. Oh, hope filled. He is able to do anything. It's possible with God. And before we move on just to the, to the third point, I want to um, read 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you know what Paul is talking about to the Corinthian church? What he's saying is, if you'll actually acknowledge you need help, <laughs> you don't have it all together, that's where the power of God comes in more. Have you ever noticed in relations with people, um, people that say they have it all together or seem to be a little more in the prideful, arrogant, I don't need help category, seem to not experience much of the power of God? It's because Paul wasn't lying. <laughs> Second Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's saying, listen, I want to boast all the more of my faults and weaknesses so that I have the power of Christ come upon me more so. So if you want to experience more of God, you've actually got to acknowledge how much help you really need. <laughs> but if you never ask for help, if you never acknowledge I've got weaknesses and you put on a show, you just won't experience much of that. That's been my experience. The last thing I want to share is rejoice in His presence. We can rejoice in His salvation. We can rejoice in His power. And we can rejoice in His presence. God Himself is the source of all joy. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, I love thinking about his presence, especially when it comes to worship, because when we worship God, we are giving him praise. We are singing to him. We are acknowledging him. And in that place, we are saying, God, we are seeking you out. We want the presence of God here. We talked about, when we talked about, um, uh, uh, about, about the idea of the tabernacle 
and of God dwelling with his people. Moses would go into that tent, and they would go into that tent, and the presence of God would fill that tent and be like, smoke or fill it, the presence of God. And be like, Whoa. When they built the temple eventually, they would have the high priest go into the innermost courts behind the big, large, honking purple veil where only that priest could go on one time a year, and he would go in directly into the presence of God. It was this place, and it was just, it was like the glory of God here on earth, and that's what people are longing for. And yet, he says, by me coming to this earth, not only, did I, not only was I born here, but then I dwelt among you, and you've seen his glory, full of grace and truth. Years ago, someone said to me, he said, um, do you want me to tell you what the presence of God is? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. That's like a big word. Well, what, what is it? And they said, the presence of God is found in a person. His name's Jesus. And that's always stuck with me. Whenever I talk about the presence of God, I'm talking about the person of Jesus Christ. Because he said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. So when I read the words in the Gospels, it's like, oh, that's what he's really like. When I experience him, when I see someone's heart lit on fire, when they receive Christ, when I see someone filled with the Holy Spirit, when I see someone come alive with a reality of the of a belief system they've had off, and now they line it with Jesus. It's like, oh, that's him. And so when we're worshiping or when we're sitting down by the fire, I just want to encourage you, take time just to be with him. And that's hard for us. I, I long for more of that, honestly. I'm 38 years old. I know I've got a few years to go. But with our lives and we live in Bryan College Station in America. We're not the slowest, you know, nation on planet Earth. Um, I long to just, can I just sit here for a little bit and think about God? Can't I just like read a psalm and not feel rushed to the next meeting? Can I just stare at a tree and admire the beauty without a child calling my name? <laughs> right. I mean, can't, you know, like, guys, I, I just want to urge you before December 31st, take some time just to be still and to know that I am God. Just be still. You don't even have to bring a Bible or journal. You just, shoot him. Just think what it was like 2,000 years ago. Most people couldn't read and write. So just, what do they have? Just sit there with them. God, what do you want to say? What are you thinking about? What am I thinking about? It's okay to just talk with God. Just to be in His presence. Just to imagine Him just sitting there with you and just saying, what's on your heart? Oh, it's what we all want. It's what we long for. I believe it's what we'll have in heaven. So we close this morning. I want to invite the band up as we close. And um, you know, as we wrap up this four-week series on Advent, um, hopefully what you've gotten in you is that John 1.14 really does capture, um, capture Jesus' purpose and who he is in coming to earth. But hopefully it does stir your heart to anticipate him for the second coming, to be ready, to be, uh, to be on your toes, so to speak, to not be caught off guard, but to but to make ready. And when I think about this idea of anticipating the second coming of Christ, 
I guess in my mind, it's we. It's I, I want to pursue life such a way to where I'm I'm ready at any hour. Doesn't mean you're not allowed to sleep. You need to sleep. You won't make it very long if you don't sleep. But it just means that your heart and your soul is ready. And guys, I I've got work to do in that area. I do. Like and that's and I would argue that's that's a discipline in our lives that we need to consider. Am I committing to making sure my heart is clean before the Lord? That's that's how we have a communion available. And I would encourage you to take communion. Just take it every Sunday. I usually do. But it makes me pause and remember what Christ did for me, which is he was crucified and he was raised from the dead. And he did that so that I could have a relationship so I could be free. But also in the scriptures, hey, make sure you've got a clean heart before you take the Lord's Supper. Well, that means now I've got to forgive somebody. I gotta let go of that, whatever that is, so that the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, can be there. Because we're the ones stifling it, not Him. The flow is here. He's flowing the grace of God towards us right now. The grace of God is never ending, abundant, flowing towards you, towards me. And we just gotta open up the doors, <laughs> you know? And un- un- unlock the places that are hurt and wounded. We don't want to have anyone touch it and say, okay, let the grace flow. So I want us to stand this morning as we end. And this morning, I just want us to, to go back to that idea of what joy is. That joy is a result of his grace. That, that, that we can rejoice because we acknowledge the grace of God in our lives. Be it through salvation, through his power, through his presence, or any other means that that we get to experience that. And so this morning, what I want us to end with is just to acknowledge His grace in your life. To actually just take a moment here as we go into time of worship, but just to acknowledge the grace of God. And then it's okay if you get excited about it. Actually, this service, if you want to yell at some point, just, just whenever, that's great. Just like, think, think scoring the touchdown, think, I just realized the grace in my life. Oh my gosh, woo! Like, you can do that right now. If you want to do it at home, you can do it at home. Don't worry about the rest of the family. Just do your thing. But I'm just telling you, we want to recognize the grace of God in our lives. And don't be ashamed of it, but take it in. Say, oh, I need that. And remember, you don't have to be tough. This is not, Christianity's not like, it's not just like tough guy. It's actually a weak guy. Right? But, but, then, but then when you acknowledge your weakness, then all of a sudden you get powered up by a spirit. So when you become weak, then you actually get strong. Right? It's, it's a little reverse order, but that's the way kingdom works. So I just want you to know this morning, I want you to take a moment here, however you want to do it, but just acknowledge the grace of God in your life. One of the areas I shared is something else, because we don't want to leave here just checking off, well, I went to church today. No, what I did today is I was reminded of how the grace of God has flowed into my life and changed me forever. That's what we're going to rejoice in this morning. Amen. So Jesus, we thank you this morning. You are grace and truth. You embodied all of it. You came the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. And we have experienced the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. We thank you for coming to our world. We thank you for saving us. And we thank you that you are coming again. We pray in Jesus' name.